Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Binance Podcast. My name is Weijo. I'm the Chief Financial Officer for Binance. So, what I want to do with this show is to spend time talking to specialists, entrepreneurs, scholars, influencers, basically leading people from a variety of industries. Hopefully, through these conversations, we can share insights on how blockchain is changing not just these different industries, but also in changing the world. Here's a quick disclaimer: all opinions expressed by our host and our guests on this podcast are merely their own opinions. They do not imply any endorsements or opinions of their companies. You should not take these opinions as specific investment advice, as you will be solely responsible for your own investment. Today, I'm very happy to be joined by Victor Rochenko, who is the founder of、uh, Trust Wallet. As some of you know, the Binance acquired Trust Wallet last year, and we've been working very closely together to basically push out the Trust Wallet product, which we believe to be the best wallet app、uh, for crypto in the world, to all of our users,、uh, not just Binance users, but I think to users around the world. And then, in conjunction with the launch of the Binance decentralized exchange. A、uh, trust wallet has actually provided a very seamlessly integration with the Dex. Really happy to be joined by Victor. I think we're gonna spend about thirty minutes here, Victor. Spend about five minutes about how you came into Trust Wallet, and then maybe about another fifteen twenty minutes about since you've been working with the team here at Binance and now you're part of our family. And then next, sort of、uh, most exciting part, what do we have to look forward in terms of if you know features and products? Because I know Trust Wallet has been adding features basically nonstop、uh, since we started working together. All、right. Yeah. Hey, wait.、Um, it's nice to be here. So I'm happy to share, you know, my story. What happened? So thank you for having me. How did you came upon cryptocurrency and trust wallet as a whole in terms of your background? And because、uh, I know you have a badass story from your early days. You know, you're still quite young, but even in your early youth, now in your late youth. Yes. If we're gonna start from like a story how I got into crypto, I think it all started back in 2012 when I first learned about the Bitcoin and also Silk Road at the same time. Um, I haven't used it. I just heard from a friend who was、uh, my neighbor, and he just showed me all this like exciting things that you could do on the blockchain. And he's like,、oh, "I'm so like pumped about Bitcoin. I got it like four thousand worth of Bitcoin at that point. It was like nine dollars、uh, a piece,、uh, which was like really interesting." And he told me about the story. I was like, "Yeah, it's interesting," but he was just buying drugs, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't need that." But it was something that I got first my exposure. And then, in probably like two years after, that's when I acquired my Bitcoin, and that was like back in 2013.、Um, and then it was kind of interesting because I got it、um, day before China banned Bitcoin, so it was like really amazing for everyone. Then everything just crashed. Like, oh wow, it's not something sustainable. And then probably a couple of years after,、um, my friend who、uh, used to work for、uh, Bread Wallet, he told me about this new coin that just、uh, came out back in 2016. He said, "Like, oh, there is Ethereum. You should go and buy some." And I just went and buy some, and then I just thought about it for about a year, and then I come back, and you know, Ethereum now is like three hundred dollars. I was like, "Wow, that's interesting." And so that's when I started learning more about like crypto, you know, how it all works, and kind of details. I just went to acquire some tokens because that's what Ethereum was good at, and then I just had some tokens, and then I was like, "Man,、um, this is my Ether Wallet website. I just couldn't figure it out how to use it. Too complicated." And then I thought, like, oh, let me build a better version because I'm iOS developer and I've been building apps for the past like seven years. And so I just built one, open sourced everything, and then that's how it all started for Ethereum. And then at some point,、uh, once we、uh, went through like 2017, 18,、uh, 
um, I think the interesting part was that uh, there was like gold rush in Ethereum. Uh, lots of people were getting into crypto. And then at some point, um, you know, the challenge was like, how do you make the product sustainable? Because if you're a wallet, there's not many things you can monetize. And, you know, if you have a team of like 10 people, that's going to be super expensive to you. Um, you know, that's when, you know, I met you guys. So I'm super excited for joining to Binance because, you know, I'm a product person. Um, I don't like to deal with business as much. So for me, it's all about like building products and then just having, you know, good people around me that will help me with resources. So, yeah, that's how it's all happened. I think that part is interesting because when we first met, Trust Wallet was essentially just an ERC-20 wallet. Yeah, exactly. So at that point, you know... That was almost exactly a year ago. But a lot has happened in the last year for Trust Wallet, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think at that point, you know, it was all about Ethereum. And so, you know, usually when you're trying to tackle any problem, you want to like focus on 80% of the problems. So at that point, I think ERC-20s were 80% of the market, if you look at if you look at it. But then what happened, right? It's like all these companies raised lots of money uh, for funding their projects. And then this is the time when we realized that what uh, users really want is to have, you know, a wallet that supports all digi digital assets. And so our challenge was like, how do you build something sustainable? How we can support so many different blockchains? Because every blockchain would have their own crypto implementation and then transaction signing, different kind of REST APIs. And so this is the time when we started realizing that we need to build something that's sustainable something that's open source and anyone could just contribute to the wallet. And since then, we worked on something that's called Wallet Core. It's open source library that allows anyone to integrate any blockchain. And so since then, we integrated over 30 different blockchains. For me, uh, that was the amazing part, just seeing that you guys been able to add, continuing to add different blockchains to support and the speed yeah. at, at which you guys have been able to move in doing so. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's two parts to it. So the first, like probably 10 blockchains, we did everything ourselves because and there was no one else. But then probably like six months later, um, because we're able to open source this so, uh, and create all the documentation for any companies to come in and integrate it. Since then, we saw like another like 20 blockchains coming and integrating. And then it kind of worked for them and for us because they have incentives to be um, kind of uh, supported on Trust Wallet and it's incentive for us to help them to add integration. So I think it worked for us uh, in both cases, and that's why we were able to like integrate so many blockchains. One of the things that I've been amazed at is just sort of the really the decentralized nature of not just your product in terms of the design of it, and actually the implementation of it, but also your team. Yeah. You have people, I mean, we're at like what, 15 people now, but then you guys are basically distributed all over the world. Yeah, it's kind of funny because, you know, we have, you know, like 12 people right now in total, and so um, if you count how many countries there is, it's probably like eight different countries. So pretty much every person lives in different city in our team. So it's really kind of decentralized in that sense. Um, but at the same time, we're able to you know, push the product and work really um, you know, effectively. That part is really interesting, right? Because I think I've met most of the people on your team and it seems like everybody shares a certain type of uh, energy and certain type of background in terms of having, not like the hacker mentality, it seems like. Yeah, exactly. So I think half of our team is like, you know, everyone is like super crazy about like crypto in general. That's a given, right? Yeah. If, you don't, if you don't like crypto, then that's crazy a nice sense, right? Yeah. yeah, so I think half of our team joined from the open source movement. So when we were building this open source tooling, um, um, we only had like a few people full-time on the team. And then once we got like support from Binance, this is the time when we started to get more people on the team. And so half of our team just came from the open source because they were willing to help to work on these problems. 
and it was like kind of good fit for both of us. So right now we have you know 12 people, and you know it's doing pretty well. How do you manage, or do you do any managing as a leader? You know, as a leader, I think my goal is. I mean, I still contribute most of my time. I just try to help everyone to kind of give all the resources they need in terms of the, the knowledge and the problems that we're currently trying to solve. But you know, the main challenge for me is like to share the story and like the problems we're trying to solve. So I think that's the main idea. And I'm not trying to manage anyone just because, like, um, I'm a developer. Like, that's what I like to do most. So work on the product rather than, like, uh, just do management. But at the same time, we have, you know, really good people on the team who are, you know, uh, self-managed. So they do everything by themselves, you know, and we always, like, have different chats about, like, the problem we're solving and, like, where we kind of moving forward. So it's a quite of a collaborative effort then. Yeah, I think that's the only way to do it when you're, like, decentralized team because everyone in different locations so there is not much you could do. Like most of the team would work when I'm asleep or vice versa. Do you feel like in terms of your background, because I think, you know, from talking to you and then listening to some of the things that you've either both written and talked about on other media formats, you know, you have a really incredible life story. Do you feel like that contributed to sort of like the unity that you've been able to build amongst your team as their fearless leader? <laughs> yeah, I would say so, because anything you learn in life, you're going to share that with everyone else. But uh -huh. it's kind of interesting because my story splits into the different stages in my life. You know, like if we kind of touch it early, I think when I was like eight years old, my focus was like, you know, selling tomatoes on the market. That's what I was like really good at because my parents would like grow it and then I would have my own um, kind of like parts where I would grow tomatoes. That's when I was like eight. And then when I was 14, like from eight to 14, I was playing uh, ping pong professionally. So I was uh, the best in my state back in Ukraine. And then once I turned 14, I started doing parkour so that's when you like do lots of crazy things and then um, i just tore my muscle and so i was injured for about like six months and then um since that time i switched from ping pong into doing computers mm -hmm. because i couldn't like do play professionally anymore so i thought like i would just find something else since then you know like i would have internet only at night when i was like 14 we would only connect to the internet from like 12 a.m to 6 a.m so I would like spend all my nights doing something, something on the internet. And so this is the time when I started learning about like, you know, security, hacking and all those things. So that was kind of interesting to me because it's interesting to know how things are built and then how can you find vulnerabilities? Um, so that's when you need to have kind of different state of mind because you need to be on the protective side and also be a hacker because you need to know how to protect systems. So this is when I got into just learning more about the security. And I was like pretty fascinated since then. And then security. Yeah, I mean, I think security is probably one of the most, probably not one of, but the most important thing in our industry, right? For our industry to move forward, we got to basically figure out how do we keep it secure. And I think that's for us, at least when we looked at Trust Wallet, that was like probably the, it was both easy to use and the most secure. Because security, I mean, for, for Binance, it starts from scratch. It's not just... Um, you know, software security, hardware security, it's actually physical security is important as well. No, I think it's all like, if you talk about security, it's all about layers, right? So layers uh, starts from like, you know, building the app with the right technology, making sure you don't have like any extra dependencies, make sure you have everything closed down and then, you know, just adding different like features in the mobile app. And also, like you said, like physical security, all those things. But the most important part all of like from all of it is also about like, security of the people uh -huh. so they need to take care of security themselves yeah right if you lose backup phrase you lost everything but it's not a fault of you know even yourself because you weren't even educated about it so you know it's our responsibility to kind of teach people on how to do security properly right like which ways uh can you like where can you write down the 
uh, backup phase. Yeah. So, so we always suggest to do everything off and make sure you have like two copies at least because you know your piece of paper could be just lost or like thrown away. So make sure you have like two copies of that. Make sure you like encrypt it or store it somewhere safe on like USB um, drive or something something else. So it's all about just you know like so many different layers that you can uh, apply to any any security. Not specifically even like to wallets. I'll go into the sort of the next part of our conversation. What do we have to look forward to in terms of uh, a trust wallet? In terms of where do you want to take the product? There's both short-term goals and also I think eventually long-term goals as well. Right? Yeah, I think let's start with a kind of long-term goal. So I think my goal is to allow every person on earth to have access to decentralized finance. So that's kind of eventual goal. By decentralized finance, I mean you know you're the guy who controls your funds and you know access to decentralized finance and the second is that you have all the utilities to access that right so we still need to build lots of utilities where you can utilize your crypto but in overall it's all about giving easy access to all these people in the world so that's kind of the short uh, the long-term goal but if you look at the um, short-term goal it's all about like finding the right problems to solve so I think the first one is like how do we um, improve security like how do we make it so it's the regular Joe doesn't need to uh, back up their 12 words how do we uh, abstract that layer? So that's something where we work uh, on right now. And we ha like have a few ideas how we can solve it in the next six months or so. So ideally, oh, wow. so ideally your phone is a personal device that's already encrypted by you know operation system. What if you can make things to make it even simpler? So you can just press one button and then it just encrypts it somewhere safe. So you, you're, on the, you're the only one to have access to it. So there is some ideas we currently exploring. But that goes deeper into hardware software then. It's not just the software issue then at that point. Yes, right? exactly. So, you know, companies um, currently working on providing more access to like secure enclave. Yep. So companies like Samsung and HTC uh, were able to provide all the uti utilities for uh, for wallet developers to access secure enclave and store all the uh, private keys. Yep. So then you can do signing uh, in a secure way. So uh, that's something that's you know people still working on. Um, Apple, for example, they currently going to the direction, but it's still not there. Like they still don't provide many of the uh, functionality that we need to actually utilize it. But that's eventual goal. I think every phone will be a hardware wallet by itself. Yep. Uh, with all the tools provided by the operation system. I think so too. It'll more likely to take place in uh, in the less developed world on Android systems or or other operating systems and and more, uh, I would say, open source cell phones versus sort of the Apple fortress. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Apple just because we getting so many different issues with them. Mm -hmm. So like one example I'll give you, in the recent, like probably like two months, Samsung did amazing job on like providing all the utilities for developers, building, you know, secure enclave, you know, exposing that functionality, also providing all the utilities to build decentralized applications on top of it. Mm -hmm. But when you look at Apple, it's the opposite. They've been rejecting us for the past year for like you know building decentralized applications, giving access to them. So that's kind of like how you do two sides. One is like more decentralized, another one like super centralized, uh -huh. because it could build their business model. Uh -huh. Yeah. So I think you know future for systems that's more open, and then anyone could just build things on top of it. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean that's the case. Then then that opens up because I think ultimately people are going to go for the the hardware that has the best software and the best utility. 
by not opening themselves up for more uh, applications and build, they might restrict themselves in terms of uh, people looking for the next killer app to use if that does exist on another you know, on another system. That this goes back to like the early days of uh, Macintosh versus Windows. It sounds like. Yep, it's still a challenge, right? And no one really knows who will win in this matter. But um, I'm rooting for open source. I think that's the way to go. And what about more immediately in the short term? You know what? Let's jump in a little bit about how Trust Wallet works with the Dex right now. So there is a two approaches to do uh, kind of the Dex, right? Um, so like our goal was to provide a simple way to do swaps. Mm -hmm. So if you want to like trade one token to another. We just wanted to build this functionality where you just select what you want to trade and then you just press one button to do the swap. So that's kind of, we, we wanted to go like through, you know, simple UX and just allow anyone just to have that access. But then in the future, we plan to build, you know, like the order book uh, and then kind of building more utility for people to, um, you know, utilize full, full functionality of um, DAXs. Mm -hmm. But our goal right now was like to integrate Binance and now we just integrated Kyber protocol. Uh -huh. So this means you're able to uh, swap any ERC-20 token. And so our goal to just provide decentralized access to any DAX that's out there on the market, it has volume. Because volume is one of the biggest problem of any DAX at this moment. Absolutely. And you know, it's probably um, attributes to not being able to like provide good user experience for the most people. And so with Binance, um, DAX at least, there is a way for people to build really simple applications on top of it and because it's fast and easy to access. So that's what could actually trigger, you know, state of mind for people and like, oh wow, there's a way to actually make this nicer. Because if you would use DAX on Ethereum network that you will see that, you know, you know long confirmation just caused lots of issues for the users and it's just not sustainable. How does the DEX then work for, not necessarily sort of the Binance DEX, but some of the other DEXs out there that you've been working with? In addition to volume, what do you see as like another challenge? Because I think with the incorporation of the DEX, then the utility of the app um, goes up one huge notch, right? In addition to sort of storage, now you can swap or you can trade. Right. But other than sort of the Binance decks and you mentioned Kyber, are there any other ones that you guys are currently looking at? How does it work from a product perspective? Like when I do want to swap, do you automate it or do as a user, do I get to choose which decks I want to use? Yeah. So ideally as a user, all you want is just the cheapest option for you. Right. So if you want to swap any token, you just want to get the best rates. And it doesn't really matter like which decks you'll be using. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to optimize for efficiency. So whenever a user wants to swap, you know, any token, we'll just find the right uh, market for it, and it will just uh, execute uh, swap for them. So I think that's the goal, right? Like I don't think it matters like which exchange you use, as long as it's cheaper to use. So from a user, you don't really see where you're going. All you're seeing is basically the best price that, that they can get at that moment. Yeah, exactly. But you know, as you can see, the way DAXs are working is, you know. Um, every market would be split into blockchain. So if you want to like swap uh, Binance tokens, it will happen only on the Binance chain, right? If you want to swap UC20s, then it will happen only on Ethereum. So there's also not many options in that sense. And so there's not even a way how to swap Ethereum uh, to BNB, for example. Yeah. Um, there is just no way you can build those atomic swaps yet. And so that's where we need to actually invest more R&D. Uh, resources, knowledge, and building those kind of integrations. Are we going to bring that to Trust Wallet? Then? Yeah, definitely. Like, I think there is some plans regarding that. So we're working on that. But even though like for us a wallet, I think our goal is to provide the best experience. Um, but it doesn't mean that we're going to build all the technology. So there's lots of smart people on, you know, in space who will be uh, 
more eligible for working on those problems than us. I think our goal is to like simplify how you can interact with technology and not to build that. Because if they have the solution and it's open source, then we can just sort of integrate that solution to the wallet. Yeah. Any other short term things that we can look forward to from a features perspective? Yeah, I think so. There's a few ideas. Um, so I think the first one, as I mentioned, is just simplifying onboarding for people. Because, you know, one thing to onboard one million um, kind of people, but then like, how do you scale to onboard like 100 million? Yeah. Like you want to make sure that, you know, you have the right technology to support it. So that's the challenge. But then, you know, the ideas we're currently exploring as well, like, how do you make you know, easy access to your hardware wallet even? Like we do consider adding support for like Ledger and Transfer. Uh-huh. So you can actually use that uh, to sign your transaction because, you know, even if it's a software wallet, you should be still able to connect to your hardware wallet because it's just the interface. Yeah. So, and our goal is just to provide the, the interface for people to interact with different devices. So, and there is different users on different uh, platforms. So if you have like, you know, millions of dollars, you probably want to keep that somewhere safe on your ledger with like multisig. Correct. So, so that's something we can actually explore and add it on our side because we're trying to provide the best experience in terms of interface and experience. So I think that's the goal for us. So hardware wallet integrations, and then we work on staking. So I think staking for us is one of the most important things to provide and build for the users. And so that's going to come out hopefully in the next like a month or so. Oh, wow. That would be awesome. Yeah. So pretty much any coin that's supported by Trust Wallet, you will be able to stake. So we're going to start first with Cosmos and then we'll add more. That's really, really cool. I'm going to start asking this question to most people is, uh, what do you think of the Facebook coin? What do you think of the Libra? How is that not the currency and then also the embedded Calibra wallet? How is that going to impact our business? And then what do you think of, you know, in general feedback? Yeah, I think like I'm looking from the developer's perspective, I would say for sure, like what's good in terms of, you know, what Facebook is doing. I think what they did well is building uh, good documentation for their um, infrastructure. So that's what's really missing. If you ever want to contribute to any of these blockchains, you know, you would find yourself confusing because you don't know where to start. There is no documentation. There is no way to learn how to even use this technology, how to write those smart contracts. I think that's where uh, Facebook is doing an amazing job on developer side because they were able not just to build, you know, good technology, but also attract lots of developers who are building things on top of it. And so I was just looking at different repos and, you know, people already built lots of wallets for Libra and then built you know, smart contracts on creating tokens. So, so I think their infrastructure is pretty good in that sense. It's definitely going to help lots of, you know, crypto people to, like, it will help lots of users to know about crypto. Yeah. And I think that's the main importance. And as long as you learn about crypto, you will find ways how to explore and find different, um, you know, projects out there. So I don't think it's all going to be about, like, one currency. But what I could tell for sure is that it's going to be much easier to use just because it's, you know, permissions. So that means that it's much easier for people to use on a Facebook. But, you know, the question is that would it give you more advantages using a Libra over like USD? I think there is more advantages for sure, but, you know, there's even better currencies you can find that's permissionless. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it'll ever, it'll be a medium of exchange, I think for sure, especially the Libra currency. Um, but the utility of the Calibra wallet, it'll definitely bring a whole new group of user base to cryptocurrency. And I think whatever it is, the net net effect is going to be positive for us in the industry today. Yeah. I like the tweet about, you know, having the Trojan horse. Yeah, remember <laughs> that? Uh, I think it's a good example. <laughs> it gets you into the mainstream uh, mindset. And to a certain extent, um, you know, FOMO has started building. I think this is not FOMO, actually. It's not fear of missing out. It's actually peer pressure. 
Um, now you have other large social networks, large uh, internet companies now are all exploring their own cryptocurrency or their own sort of uh, wallet solutions, et cetera. And I do feel that Facebook is going to be pushing, you know, legislator, legislators to move forward with that. So I think, you know, you know, I think everyone will be afraid, like any country, because Facebook could just take over. But, you know, Facebook haven't done a good job on privacy in the past. So I think that's kind of the bigger, the big concern for me personally. Are we going to have the Libra coin and trust wallet? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, my goal is to provide, you know, freedom and the uh -huh. freedom of choice. Yeah. So I think it's your responsibility to pick which currency you want to use. Yeah, as long as you provide the choice. That's great. I'm pretty good for today. Anything else you want to add? No, I'm good, I think. Yeah, but, you know, in general, I think what crypto have, like, need to do better is, you know, like building more utilities for developers because developers are the people who is going to build all this technology. And, you know, that's what kind of amazing. But, you know, we should always start from building experiences for developers because they're they're going to be your first users. Absolutely. And if you build really amazing onboarding for them, teach about crypto, how to write code, how to write smart contracts. So this means that you can educate another way for new people who know how to write those applications. So that's kind of where I'm like true believer. And, you know, I do my best to educate other people on how, how to utilize technology in crypto. Great. Thank you very much, Victor. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this interview as, as much as I did. If you like this show, please share this episode on Twitter, Facebook, Telegram, WeChat, or any other social media platforms. Please don't forget to subscribe to the Binance Podcast. And see you next time.